Welcome to Soundboard, the Steinway & Sons podcast on artistry and craftsmanship. I'm your producer and host, Ben Finan, editor-in-chief at Steinway & Sons, and for the online music magazine, listenmusicculture.com. My guest today is Vera Anselmo, founder and artistic director of the Piano School of New York City, a nonprofit organization which seeks to provide music instruction to children and adults regardless of talent level or ability to pay. Visit pianoschoolofnyc.org to learn more. Thank you, Vera, for joining me today. It's a pleasure. I'm honored to be part of this interview. Thank you very much. Of course. It certainly helps not only our organization, but I think it helps educators in general to have podcasts like this to help music education move forward and past this terrible pandemic situation that we are all in. Your history is that of a pianist and of a piano teacher and as a music educator and your mother was also a music educator so i would have to imagine that from an early age you were instilled with the vital importance of getting a musical education well uh, so let me start with that that filling my mother's shoes would be a big task because she was a, a, a through, uh, you know, Russian pedagogy, if you will, with uh, uh, lined up students waiting outside our door. And her students would go to a music college after she taught them since they were six and then would get married and bring their kids to her. So she had a legacy and was well-known music teacher in in Moscow. She's from Ukraine, but she started her career in Moscow, which is where I was born. Well, I hated music lessons when I was little. I don't know if this is uh, unique. Probably not. No, I don't think so. (laughs) So I hated practicing and, and all of that, which I think most kids go through. And my mother was somewhat a little bit of my teacher, but then I probably discovered my true passion for music in my teens when I met my teacher at a, at a junior college and I clicked with her really, really well. We're still in touch today. She was a great inspiration. And if to fast forward to the United States, after going to Juilliard and graduating in 93, I really didn't know what I was going to do. I knew I was going to wait tables, check. I knew I was probably going to be a bartender, check. And I did all of that. And I was, it was good for me because I think living, you know, the life of an aspiring musician is a dream, but also naive dream sometimes as you don't really know how life works outside of that world. It was like a reality, you know, like a little smack, bam, on the back of my head to wake up and grow up. I never planned to be doing what I'm doing today. It really found me versus me looking for it. I was just looking to do what everybody else that I knew was doing, which is practice, perform, do some teaching. Some combination of piano teacher recitals gigs, concerts. Correct. That was what I was planning to do in the 90s. All musicians were posting ads on bus stops 
I don't know if you know about it. Sure. Even uh, something part of your life or not, but all ads were on bus stops in New York. So here I go on a bicycle um, on Broadway uh, with my flyer to advertise my piano lessons. And it, it actually was somewhat successful. Word of mouth, of course, is better because people know who you are. And one day I got a call from a lady at a church in Harlem. And at that time, Harlem was not what it is today. It was really not an area for any anybody go to any lessons. As far I, I mean, I didn't see anything going on when I finally went. I said, "Yeah, it's it's a Sunday afternoon, you know." So the lady called and she said, "We are a church, and we are in Harlem, and we don't have the money to pay individual less for individual lessons, but maybe." you'd be open to do a group lesson and maybe each child would pay $10. And I said to myself, not that I was really that hungry for money, but that really piqued my intellectual curiosity because I had never done a group class before. And I thought, hmm, that's really interesting. So more interesting than that was that this poor community wanted music education and and they wanted to get it somehow so when i went to that church i didn't know what to expect it was wonderful it was a really delightful experience that i still remember today i ended up going there every sunday and teaching these kids from no reading to note writing they had one church organ that we used as a piano. Nobody had a keyboard at home. Uh, it was a really very poor community, but yet it worked. We had a Christmas recital at the church where they each performed. We started in September. So they each performed a couple of songs that they learned. And I was amazed. I was like, they, these kids don't even practice, yet they somehow retained that information. Right, because obviously they don't have pianos at home that they're going home to and, and playing. If they had a keyboard, it'd be like, you know, that two-octave keyboard. Yeah, the Casio. Exactly. I mean, I didn't go to their homes, but I only went to the church. And, and that's how my journey started as far as ed educator, right? As something was building inside me to say, hmm, interesting. I never learned this at Juilliard. I never learned this in Russia. We don't didn't have, you know, minority communities. You know, in Soviet Union, everyone was equal, or so we were told. And so we didn't have that aspect to social economic part of, uh, you know, our country where I, you know, was born and raised. And in the United States, I was only a few years, five years. I started by thinking, what if I were to call on local schools and say, I have an idea. I would like to start a group piano class at your school. It's very inexpensive, like a $10 a child. And, you know, see if there is interest. Some schools said, nah. I literally went like a, you know, vacuum cleaner salespeople. You know, they go door to door. So I, I was going from school to school to knock on their doors and, and say, hey, I'm a piano lady, which is eventually they were calling me a piano lady. It's not a bad title. You, you can live with that. Better than vacuums, right? And it worked. 
you know, it took a little while, obviously. I'm not a salesperson. I mean, but then I learned, you know, when I met some marketing people later on in my career, and they said, what do you mean you are not a good salesperson? A salesperson believes in what they do or what they have, and you have love and passion for what you do. That's all you need. And persistence. And I've got, I've got both. Um, and so I didn't even know, you know, what I was really getting into. So this was the beginning of what would become the Piano School of New York City. And you match students with teachers and they do lessons on the premises, whether that's a home or a school. Well, majority of our students are at schools. If we took away, which is exactly what happened during pandemic, literally half of our student body dropped because all schools were closed and Half of our business was at local schools. These were after-school group class programs that took place at local schools. And literally half of that business was erased in a matter of a, a week. So, yes, we send teachers to students' homes. So, yeah, we do not need a building. When I started as a piano teacher, I rarely had kids come to me because most parents were busy. They didn't have the time to make the trip. And so I was going on a bicycle all around the city teaching piano lessons before the school. So I knew that a lot of parents would prefer if a teacher would come to them. I know many very accomplished piano teachers, they focus on the finger position and lifting fingers properly. And all of that is great. And I'm totally all for it. But a lot of kids from poor economic background, that would not be their priority. And it would not be their priority for their families and, and, and their parents either. What is the priority for them that you focus on? The priority for them, I believe, is the enlightenment as to what it can do, what it can bring, how it can change a child's attitude, how it can change his thinking pattern how it can change his sense of loneliness and not knowing how to deal with it with a tool that they can use that sort of becomes their best body, right? Not initially, not when they don't know how to do it, but after they kind of figure out keyboard, how to play a couple of songs, maybe even how to improvise a little bit, 
wow, I can do all of this. This is actually mine. Nobody can take away it from me. That's what motivated me from very beginning because I saw that from my experience in Harlem that it's true inspiration, joy, a tool to fill the empty nest, if you will. There's a lot of kids in, in low economic background. They, the parents don't have the means, nor do they have. It's a kind of like a vicious circle, right? It's depression. It's, it's thinking about life of not having, not having ever, or some kind of a dark circumstance that, that keeps that cloud over many people's lives. And music, among many other forms of art, can really open up that dark cloud and really bring something else that you can have hope and love and friendship and connect. Because it only takes really that one person, could be that piano teacher, that could inspire you. So that's really what the heart of the school has been and continues to be. It's not about perfecting the skill on the piano because we know many kids don't practice and they don't have the instruments at home, but creating that outlet for them to, to blossom and you know, utilize that in the best possible way. all read the articles about how you're a better learner when you do music and how your mind simply works better on different levels, having access and having to think about notes on a page and your fingers on the keys. And this is all connected with math and et cetera. But it's true that there's a, there's a much larger, more important area of discovery and of life and of joy that is clearly needed by these kids you're working with. I think if they do better at math, fantastic. And if they if they become better students, which I believe obviously that music helps your brain activity, that is great. But to me, feeling happy is more important. Yeah. Feeling a sense of hope about tomorrow. Just feeling good about yourself, feeling I can do this and and feeling happy. Just just that. Nothing else really needed to add to this, I think is crucial. For, for young kids, for even especially, you know, teenagers, we have some high schoolers 
But we also have adult students that kind of face similar issues, especially older adults that are facing that sense of loneliness and that sense of, well, I've finished my career and, I, and I've grown my kids and they will live far away. Music really has that amazing ability to fill someone's life with joy. It really is that amazing. Having that tool and you know how to use it, meaning that we can match with a teacher and the teacher goes to your home and the teacher can choose repertoire and, and from jazz to pop to classical music, can really find that great relationship and relationship building with the student. We also started recently doing classes for children and adults with special needs. And that has also been amazing, especially during pandemic, we started doing pre-recorded lessons for some of this group classes. And the director of one of the schools for children uh, you know, with special needs, that the kids absolutely loved the, the pre-recorded videos with their teacher. They missed him and they were wondering what happened. And as soon as he put the video um, in the school, they were filled with joy that we are back at doing music. It fills my heart with, with a deep sense of honor and it gives me energy. It really is some sort of awakening that it brings me each time or each day when I remind myself what we are doing and why we are doing it. It actually also gives me hopes for the hope for the future that we, you know, can unite and not have war and not have animosity between nations and bring peace to the world. Really, music can do that. I believe that. listening to Soundboard, the Steinway and Sons podcast on artistry and craftsmanship. To learn more about the Piano School of New York, visit pianoschoolofnyc.org. We heard clips from Steinway artist Andrew Rangel's album Bach for Kids on the Steinway and Sons label. Our intro and outro music is Philip Glass's Mad Rush, performed on a Steinway Model M by me, Ben Finan, editor-in-chief at listenmusicculture.com. Question for the podcast? Message me on Facebook at Soundboard or hit me on the gram at Soundboard Podcast. Thank you for listening.